Hi guys, welcome to Wildest Kruger Stories. I'm Craig. And I'm Carolina. We're excited about today's episode as always, aren't we? Yes, this is our sixth episode, so I feel mm. like we're getting into the groove of things. Yeah, it's, I feel like... It's I'm starting to feel more comfortable doing this thing. Yeah, I, I remember the first episode when we were sitting around, we were sitting around, I think it was a, a small little table, and um, we were we were so nervous about how this is going to sound and how everything is actually going to work out. How are we going to do this? Where are we going to put the mic? And it was, it actually, now it's just become quite, quite smooth. Absolutely. Like, I feel more comfortable doing it. But I do need to mention to people that, like, we don't have the most professional gear. So if the sound is sometimes a little bit off, just, yeah, yeah, just yeah. excuse us. Some people have said, though, that the sound has been great. So I'm very happy to hear that. But, but it's just good to know that we... We definitely don't have the most professional gear going on. It's just literally a little microphone that I bought for my camera, and then that's what we're using. It's connected to my phone. You literally posted. It. You literally posted the the most random photo on your Instagram story about the. It looked like I've just rolled out of bed or just rolled out <laughs> of bed, and then your little microphone, and that is literally our setup and a laptop with the notes of what we talk about. Yeah, um, and that's that's, about that's pretty it. much our setup, and then. But honestly, it doesn't. I feel like it doesn't have to be more complicated yeah, I, than that. I agree. Than that. It, I agree. As long as it's as long as it's not like horrible to listen to, <laughs> but it like we shouting and stuff. As long as that's fine and people are enjoying the content, you know, that's that's all we can do. I think. Absolutely. So, moving on from our professional setup, uh, <laughs> we have we have we have still been in Sweden. Carolina has just had a photo gallery on the island of Gotland. Yes. It was very exciting. Carolina, why don't you tell everyone about what was happening there? Well, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it was a week of me, um, what do you call it, exhibiting my photos, basically? It was an exhibition of Exhibition yeah. of, of my, my photos, my photography on uh, on Gotland in in the little village where uh, where we have a house and it's been it's been really really cool and I've really enjoyed it and I just want to thank anyone who came past and everybody who sent me messages wishing me good luck and so on uh, I truly appreciate it and it honestly has been almost the most like exciting week for me like meeting other people who have been to South Africa or want to go to South Africa and who have been interested in my photography and buying my prints. And, you know, that is honestly the biggest compliment I can get as a photographer for someone to buy my photos to have in their home. And it is, um, I don't know, difficult to word, uh, to explain in words how, how special that is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, I, w- I expected a lot less people that actually came to that gallery, but also it was my first time in that area. So I thought I never, I didn't really know how popular it was. And there was, there was so many people on a daily basis. And there was Craig running around with his tray with serving champagne and caviar to people. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I didn't that do did that. Not <laughs> <happen>. <laughs> um, the first day we did serve champagne, though. We, we, did, did, we, did, we did. We did. The first day was definitely the busiest one. Because yeah. then it was the opening yeah. and then you serve champagne and you, and, you know, and there's a lot of people. But then uh, it goes up and down. So like the days where it was like rainy and windy, mm. there was less people. But it was still really cool and I really enjoyed it. And I shared it with a very nice lady. We shared the uh, place together oh, she was so sweet she was the sweetest so sweet. yeah so her we had a lot husband. of fun a lot of fun with her and really great just you know sometimes it's difficult to to share with people and like cooperate with with people especially people you haven't met before but it just worked so smoothly and i'm so thankful for that because you never know how it's gonna go working with other people and it, yeah it just turned out to be a great week so yeah and you actually you actually ended up selling a print before your 
exhibition open. <laughs> yeah. The absolute first one I sold, this lady, I think she had seen it on Facebook. And she was so, it's it's the fat unicorn. Uh, anyone who wants to see it can go on to my Instagram or to my, my shop, carolinanarie.com and search for the fat unicorn and it's the black and white version. And she had seen it on, on Facebook and she was so excited for it. So she came just like 10 minutes before we even opened and she was like this is the one i want so that was really really cool that she yeah. she loved it so much uh so yeah that was that was really awesome she was super excited too it was like yeah. seeing a kid on christmas she was like she, she knew exactly what she was going for because we weren't even there no we, we, were... we went to go get we went to go get a waffle there yeah was a little waffle house next to the play it was so cool so a little, real cute little <laughs> waffle place and we came back and the what what was the the lady's name that you were sharing with Oh, and Sophie, and it was Aunt her Sophie. husband, Pad. And he was, she was like, you've already got a customer. And this is 15 minutes before the exhibition opened. And she knew exactly. She's like, I want that one. Yes, and she told me that, that she came so early because she was worried someone else was going to get there first. And there was definitely a lot of people that were interested in that print later on. It was like, oh, no, it's already sold, you know. So, yeah, that was really, really cool. So it was uh, an awesome week in, in general. Mm. Yeah. What what were, what were you all most popular? I think the, the elephant, what was the name of the elephant? Um, the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room. That was a hit. Also sold on like the second day. First day. First day, yeah. sorry. Sold on the first day. Yeah. But then I remember standing there, you know, English Craig, not really Swedish, like, you know, just trying to make himself useless, useful. And, uh, yeah, every now, every but everyone saying, once they could gather that I couldn't speak Swedish, everyone saying like, we need more. We need more of those elephant photos. It was yeah. definitely a really, really popular print, and the fat unicorn, of course, was also very, I very popular. I think a lot the, of people asked about that one, and yeah. the architect. The architect, yes. which is a a photo of a buffalo weaver. No, sorry, it's southern masked weaver yes. uh, building its nest. It's like halfway through the process, so it's just like a ring of grass that it's sitting on, and then I managed to get like a white background because it's the sky in the background. So I overexposed the photo for those who are interested in photography, I overexposed the photo slightly to get the grey sky to become white instead. So I got that white background and then there's this branch going through the photo with the half-built nest where the weaver is sitting on this nest. And I think that's the one mm. I got the most compliments and questions about because yeah, yeah. people were very interested in how it was taken because of the white background. So some people actually even asked, did you put this thing here? Because obviously like a, a weaver, yeah. the way a weaver bird works is incredible. The way they construct their nests and their nesting behavior as a whole. Um, it's really, really incredible how these little birds take grass uh, and reeds and all sorts of material in or and weave it all through to create this one nest and uh, obviously being a swede not too many weaver birds in sweden coming and it looks it, it looks almost artificial uh the nest itself or human made exactly and uh, a, a lot, lot of people asked like did you put this here for the bird a lot of people asked me if if i'd yeah, if I'd put it there for the bird and then waited for the bird to sit there or something. And then a lot of people also asked me if I did the white background in Photoshop, mm. which is both a no. <laughs> it was yeah, all yeah. done there. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually one of those photos where I didn't do a lot of post-processing. I just did the basic stuff that you need to do. But I didn't have to do much because the white background was, was naturally, that's how I took the photo. Because I did it intentionally. No, it was, uh, it was a beautiful image. And all in all, uh, really, or just a really, really good week. 
Absolutely, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I that was it was awesome for me to experience how many people were absolutely besotted by your photography. So that was very <laughs> very cool. Obviously, I am, and a lot of other people are. But yeah, it was um, when it really does give a different image when you're seeing it in a frame on the wall in your home. So it was it was a fantastic week. Thanks for those sweet words, Craig. Oh well, <laughs> trying to get my brownie points as a boyfriend. <laughs> Anyway, um, we want to move into the episode. We shouldn't get, we've been talking a little bit about the exhibition quite long now. And the thing is, we actually have a lot to cover in this mm. week's episode. So we are going to skip the whole, the whole scenario thing that we, that we want to do. It is fun. And I promise you next week, we are going to be doing them uh, again and most, in most episodes. But I think this episode, we're going to skip that because we want to d- dive into the what do you call it, the topic of, of the week, mm. because there's a lot to cover. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's just there's so much information that's going to go around this. So let's stop hiding the topic that we're going to be talking <laughs> about. And it is the Greater Kruger National Park Lodges, mm. which is an extremely exciting topic for me. It's something I'm really passionate about because the Greater Kruger National Park is an incredible place that serves both tourism and community development as a whole, provides so many different jobs and is not part of Sand Parks, which is South African National Parks, which is government run. Uh, it is a compl- it is the private entity of it and it does just as good a job for everyone as South African National Parks does. Nothing against Sand Parks. No, just, no, absolutely it, not. You know, it's it, just, it's different. It, it, it's, it's the private, it's the private entity of the Kruger National Park. Which I think is just as important to have. in Absolutely. In... Absolutely. So, yeah, I think what we have explained in an early episode, so maybe we'll just repeat ourselves just quickly, what me- what's the greater Kruger National Park, what that means, because I think that's just important to know with us jumping into this. We'll just repeat that quite quickly. Yeah, so the greater Kruger National Park is the private sector of the Kruger National Park. So you have the government-run national park, which is which has been around for over a hundred years. The Greater Kruger National Park, where private pieces of land that chose, where the landowners chose to drop the fences between their farms and Kruger National Park to allow more space for game movement. Later on in the years, they then saw it as a opportunity for tourism and started to build lodges because they didn't have to follow the exact same rules. They still need to follow X amount of South African National Park rules, but there's um, a lot more way room with regards to what you can do because it's your own property. Now, obviously, you can't just have a piece of land and be like, okay, cool, I'm going to shoot everything on this property. That's one of the rules you have to obviously stick to that this is a national park and we have uh, abide by the... the National Park the, the general conservation mindset of South African national parks. However, what is different is on in the national park itself, a small, a little small difference that I'll cover before we go into all the topics is on the, in the private sector, you can at some properties go off road in order to get closer to the animals. It is done in a very ethical way and you never get to, or you're not supposed to get too close to the animal or intrude that animal's kind of safe space and in the national park itself you're not allowed to off-road at all because obviously you there's a lot more vehicle traffic and can you imagine two million vehicles going off-road for one line no that would 
end up disastrous. Also, it's private people. Exactly, they don't. They're not. They don't experience. They're not qualified. Uh, they don't know what they're doing. They haven't done four by four courses, and they're not accredited by the reserve or by South African national parks. So, diving into the topics. Yes, um, I think this is going to be very much Craig's uh, talking <laughs> episode because you have worked at a lot of these places, yeah. almost every single reserve. Ah, uh, almost, almost. I was when I was typing this out. It is, it is almost. So I think. Craig, let's start with the concessions because that is privately owned, but it is still part of the Kruger National Park. And I think you have explained that earlier, so yeah. we don't need to repeat ourselves. Exactly. So the concession uh, is in 2001, the concessions were announced by South African National Parks where they also said, hey, we can make a little bit more money um, by having certain parts of the Kruger National Park leased out to private landowners. And they have to abide by certain rules, but it, it, it gives that private lodge kind of feel that is not you staying at one of the rest camps. If you want to know what the rest camps are, I'm not going to go into that. That is a completely different episode, and it was in episode four of our podcast. But it's not the same as a rest camp. It's normally four or five star lodges that are on these leased pieces of land in the Kruger. And they were taken as pieces of land that never had any public roads going through them. Um, so there are nine different concessions in the Kruger National Park itself. And those are not privately, the lodges are privately owned, but it's on government land. It's on the land in the Kruger National Park. So those are private lodges in the heart of the Kruger National Park, which there's a, there's a specialness about them. And I'm going to talk to you about like some of the most fancy that have been, um, voted as some of or rated as some of the most upmarket lodges and then i'm going to give you an option that is more along an affordability point of view so uh with the concessions there's so many there's nine uh but they're singita very very famous lodge has a, or a very very famous lodge brand has a specific lodge up there and it is singita la bombo and it has, a couple of years ago, was rated the number one lodge in the country. And Singita itself, they, they strive for excellence. I mean, their, their service is flawless, but you pay the price. The game viewing is really, really good, but you do pay a lot of money. I mean, they usually quote in dollars, and um, you're looking at anything between $1,300 to $1,500 per person per night at that property so it is quite expensive but you are treated to next to royalty so uh, there is the price is there and uh, you do get what you pay for a more affordable uh, concession out there is the Mulawati concession which is run by it's got three lodges on them it's got Hamilton tented camp Mbali and Hoyo Hoyo they are more affordable they're all four star lodges you're looking at I'm, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give dollar rates for them you're looking at anything between three uh, or two, sorry 275 and four hundred dollars per person per night they've got a lovely 10,000 hectare concession or plus minus when I say hectareage going into this podcast or in this podcast it is really purely plus minus but they're also quite affordable and you still get a really really good safari experience at the Mulawati concession it's in the central part of the Kruger so massive open plains 
a good lion population. It's quite close to the border of the Sabi Sands. So every now and then, those very, very relaxed leopards that we've spoken about come over into the Kruger National Park. Not that they don't have relaxed leopards in the Kruger National Park, but coming from the Sabi Sands, they then move into the Kruger from there sometimes. I think what's important to, to mention when we talk about prices of the lodges, uh, why the different prices are, you mentioned it there, like you, you treat it like royalty. Mm. And I think, you know, most lodges will treat you as, as, mm. as well absolutely, as they can. Absolutely. But then there's also things of, of, you know, what is included. It's mm. your, it's different types of accommodation. It is, you know, some lodges who have the higher price bracket have, you know, all inclusive packages of, you know, everything as in drinks and everything being included and all of those kind of things that we're not going to d- dive into deep in those yeah. details on every place, but it's just good to know why that the price difference exactly. is like that. And obviously reputation on and branding, it makes a huge difference yeah. as well. Yep. And uh, if you guys are interested, we are going to be, you know, going through all the reserves and, and the high price bracket uh, lodges in each res- reserve and the lower price bracket lodges in each, each reserve but obviously this is what we do at Wildest Kruger Safaris is we help you find the one that works the best for you. I think this is just giving you guys an idea of the different prices mm. and, and what what kind of comes with that. And, and I think yeah, that's the, the kind of purpose with, with giving the prices. Mm. Exactly, 100%. So like, for example, the difference between Singita and the lodges on the Mulawati concession. You're, at Singita, your rate includes everything premium whiskies, premium brandies, all your drinks, everything, like Carolina has said, and you get a massive plunge pool that is heated. So <laughs> it is, the rooms are massive and immaculately designed, so it really is beautiful. If you have the money, spend it there. And you at the properties on the Mulawati concession, for example, you're, usually your drinks aren't included, but still an amazing, amazing experience. And the lodges are amazing. Like Hoyo Hoyo is designed into a tra- like a traditional Tonga village That's kind of, a, cool. but 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 fancy, which is which is beautiful in itself. I'm going to move away from the concessions itself now, just to give you a little bit of a rough idea of how that how the concession works. And now we're going to move into one of my favorite game reserves of all time, and it's it's very very close to my heart because this game reserve in particular I started my career at. I want to go back. Very, very soon. And it is the Sabi Sands Game Reserve. It is world-renowned for the leopard population in that reserve. and Predators in general. Pred- predators in general, but specific why why Sabi Sands got onto the map was because of the leopard sightings. When they got onto the map in the 90s and early 2000s, it was because it was one of the few areas where you could actually photograph leopards to an extent where they just would not be bothered by you now a habituation has become more of a thing and um, in other reserves it happens like that as well but that's the original reason for the sabi sands being so famous is leopard viewing and people still go it they draw they draw this attachment to the sabi sands and they get attached to the leopard individuals in that area but the property i have chosen it has been so difficult to go through all these properties and um, choose one specific property because there's so many beautiful properties out there. I've had to go with a property as my high-end property in the Sabi Sands Game Reserve. I've had to go with Dulini. Dulini is next level amazing. Um, it is on the Sand River. 
So the viewing is amazing. From your deck, the birding is amazing when the seasons are right. The rooms I've rated, I rate a 10 out of 10. Spacious, plunge pools, you name it, it is, it is there. It, it's amazing. The traversing area is about 10,000 hectares, which is huge. From a driving point, point, point of view, you can do a game drive without bumping into another vehicle if you really want to. And uh, like I said, the, the, the reason most people travel there is for the leopard and predator viewing. Price bracket at Dulini, you're looking at plus minus $1,000 to $1,100 per person per night on average. The figures I'm giving you out here, guys, are generally plus minus figures. They really are. But Dulini is an absolutely exceptional property. I have a couple of friends that actually currently work there. They Most of them have been there for years, which says something about the property if they've stayed a long time. And then for people that generally can't afford a property or would choose to be more money conscious, is that the word? Money yeah, conscious? Yeah, I guess you could say that. There's two properties in the northern Sabi Sands that I like. Uh, one of them is Elephant Plains, which is incredibly popular with generally Dutch clientele, French clientele, mostly European market because it's so affordable and great value for money. And another one you can never ever get availability at is in Coral Bush Lodge. They're very, very similar properties, both four-star properties um, on in both very good locations. Elephant Plains is on the Manuleti River and in Coral Bush Lodge is in the east of the Sabi Sands well, it's in the northern sector, but in the eastern part of the northern sector and is located on this massive plain with about, I'd say about two, three hundred meters on this plain is a big pan mm. uh, and is very, very popular for big breeding herds of buffalo and elephants in winter. But again, it's still part of the Sabi Sands. So leopard, lion in that eastern part where there is in Kor where Nkora Bush Lodge is based, Good cheetah come through the Kruger National Park because it's on the Kruger National Park border. So good cheetah viewing there. But Elephant Plains and Ancora, they share traversing and they've got about six to 7,000 hectares of traverse. I know Elephant Plains has a little bit more than Ancora, but yeah, around that number of traverse in the northern sector. In this section of the Sabi Sands, I've found it is a little bit busier. Than other properties with vehicles with vehicles yes mm. so sometimes they're quite strict on the amount of time you can spend with animals now i started my career in the northern savi sands so maybe it's changed a little bit so don't quote me on this being how it is but often it was 10 to 15 minutes per sighting which for me personally but again this is just my personal opinion, as everything in this podcast is, it just feels a little bit rushed. But I have been privileged in areas that I have worked with. You can spend as much time as you want. But um, yeah, generally long lines of standbys are accumulating and you need to cycle through the sightings quite quickly. But that is literally the only negative I have on that property. The price ranges for both in Coral, Bush Lodge and Elephant Plains are about Four to five hundred dollars per person per night, which is really, really, really not bad for what you get. If you're going for outright game viewing and you want good predator interaction, I mean, at these, at in the northern Sabi Sands when I was working there, I saw a leopard take a live dacre up a tree while it was still squealing because it 
obviously of the high density of hyenas. So the predator interaction in that area is is, is insane. It's that's something very special. To see. Yeah, I know. Like this leopard was standing and a steak is going, Wee! and these uh, literally he had obviously just grabbed the steak, had gone up the tree, and he knew he was being trailed by hyenas. But because before we knew it, there were three hyenas around the tree. So, yeah, um, the predator interaction in this area, the Sabi Sands, is incredible. So, yeah, those are probably my picks for the Sabi Sands. But there is so many more. Oh, my word. The, especially so the Sabi Sands have a lot of luxury lodges to, to yeah. offer because of the incredible game viewing and the, the name that the Sabi Sands have. They, there's very, very high-end lodges in, yeah. in, in that area. I think... Yeah, what everyone needs to understand from this podcast is I cannot do one podcast on on it. every single property, but there are so many lodges within the Sabi Sands. And like Carolina said, if you want more information, pop us a message on, on Instagram. If you've heard about a specific lodge or somewhere you would like to stay, please just, just pop us a message. We're happy to help, happy to, happy to give you guys some advice on where to go, what to do. But yeah, I just, the, the, we don't have enough airtime <laughs> no. to talk about all the properties in any of the reserves that we're about to talk about or yeah. that we are going to talk about. But yeah, those are probably my picks for value for money in the Savi Sands game reserve. No, I think that's cool. And the next one is that the Manialeti, the mm. neighbor to the Savi Sands. Yes, so the Manialeti is situated. So this part of the Greater Kruger that I'm talking about, both Savi Sands and Manialeti, is situated on the western side of the Kruger National Park. And Sabi, the, the Manuleti Game Reserve sorry, is just north. They share a border with both the Kruger National Park and the Sabi Sands Game Reserve. Also a beautiful reserve. What My favourite thing about the, about the Manuleti Game Reserve is that generally all the lodges, no one has politics with everyone else where there's, you, can, you can't drive my land but you can drive that guy's land. It's 23,000 hectares large and you drive. Go. That's awesome. That's amazing. So if something is on Manuleti and someone's found it, all of the lodges can go. So my high-end uh, Manuleti lodge is the Tinswaru Safari Lodge, which is amazing. I mean, both myself and Carolina have been there before. And the lodge is beautiful. So tastefully done on this beautiful drainage line. They have a little hide there. The elephants uh, come and drink. Oh, elephants go hide. drink all the time there. And they are renowned for lion viewing from what all the guides that work there tell me is that the, the lion sightings are amazing. And good cheetah from what I've heard as well. Yes. Cheetah is because of the open areas. They've mm. got big, big, big open areas. So it is. It's it's easily accessible to go off road, um, which is which is a plus mm. because you don't have to do damage too much in uh, vegetation to go off road. So yeah, good good lion and good cheetah, and then obviously they share that border with the Sabi Sands. So if you are looking for leopard, go south because if you drive those drainage lines, a lot of leopard come over. As I've mentioned before, there's no fences, so the leopard from the Sabi Sands will go over into the Manuleti. Which is, um, I hear the guys are having some really amazing leopard sightings nowadays. The one negative about the Manuleti is that it was one of the first areas that was really hit hard by poaching. Um, so animals like rhino, it's not subject to Manuleti, so I'm not being negative towards Manuleti. It's actually all 
all reserves um, are really, really being hit hard by uh, Rhino poaching, which is quite sad. And that's why I chose to talk about it while I'm talking about the Manuelletti is just to create a bit of awareness awareness around um, how bad, just how bad poaching is. You know, the it's about every 22 hours on average, a rhino is killed for its horn. Uh, and I'm not going to divulge into information and make this podcast emotional, but it is really, really concerning um, at the rate that we are losing these amazing animals. And we will be talking more about this, I'm sure. I think we're going to have a guest yeah. over that has all the figures, all the numbers, everything uh, for us, and we will be talking about it a lot more. So stay tuned for that episode. But yeah, it is bad. And Manuleti is one of the reserves that has been hit quite hard with rhino poaching. But again, not subject to Manuleti. It's happening all over. Moving on to a more... Uh, oh, I didn't I didn't give you the price tag of Manuleti. Manuleti is trading at about... Trading. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Look at me. Manuleti is trading. You mean the... You uh, mean I'm talking about stocks now. You mean uh, yes. <laughs> Tinswali Safari Lodge, uh, the price tag there's anything between six hundred and six hundred and fifty dollars per person per night. Um, but again, plus minus figure. Sometimes they have specials. Um, and they also have there. a manor house. They do have a manor house, uh, which is amazing. Where you can book that out for your whole family. Exactly. Or something. Or if you have a booking of like ten people, yeah, you can take the entire manor house. And you so get your private vehicle, private chef, everything. You don't have to go into the main lodge. It's almost like booking out a whole lodge for yourself. It's, it, it's very cool. It's basically getting like a holiday rental. Yeah. Um, as you would when you go down to the coast or go Just down anywhere. Even more luxury. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Which is always a plus. A manor house is always a big plus if you're traveling as a big group. Yeah. A mid-range option in the Manuleti Game Reserve is Honeyguard Tented Camp. It is... A lovely tented camp, but it is a tented camp. And uh, I know not a lot of people feel too comfortable being in a big five area in a tent. I know we we don't care, but and a lot of people don't. I but it's all about... It. Yeah, it is amazing. It is amazing, but some people feel a little bit more vulnerable in a tent, especially in a reserve like Manuleti. It's very, very wild. There's not a lot of lodges on the Manuleti, so it is quite wild. And a lot of the camps don't have fences, so they escort you to but to your bed or to your tent and when you want to come out for a meal they escort you as well which is a there's a thrill about that and i think this is what we mean with with certain places fit for certain people exactly. i know some people are like no of course i want to stay in a tent that's the mm. whole safari experience and some people are like no please i don't want to stay in a tent that feels too scary mm. or like I, I just don't like tents or whatever it's obviously the safari tents are very luxury tents but still you know you have the people who love it and then you have the people who just don't love it yeah exactly what the if i had to rate like the the tents at uh honey guide i'd probably rate them about a six or seven out of ten because again there there there's a specific market for them you know people that don't going to a tented camp people don't want that luxury they want that thrill like mm. carolina just said as i said it it's in the manuleti game reserve so they can drive everywhere they've got the twenty three thousand hectares traverse from a game viewing point of view have all the same perks as uh, Tinswali Safari Lodge would and yeah they can share that 23,000 hectare traverse like I said and the price tag there is about $300 per person per night plus minus figure so it's but it's it's for 
a specific type of guest, I would say. Mm. But all in all, the Monument Leti is an amazing reserve. I I enjoy it. It is one of those reserves that's still very, very, very wild due to the lack of so many lodges. That's wonderful. Mm. And the next next one that we're going to cover is one of the biggest, is it? Yeah, one of the biggest private game reserves that are part of the Greater Kruger National Park. And that is the Timbavati. Timbavati Game Reserve. The next, yeah, the, they they quite closely compete with the Klesiri. Yes. Klesiri and uh, Timbavati. Yeah, view. size point of view. Timbavati is 53,000 hectares large. So it is a very, very, very big game reserve. And obviously all these properties we're talking about are unfenced and open to Kruger National Park. I'd say the flagship of Timbavati at the moment, there's a, again, there's a lot of new properties coming up. There's a lot of properties in the Timbavati Game and Reserve that people can book. Ones. Really, it's one of those reserves that is also very similar to challenging the Sabi Sands with regards to how many lodges and competing for upmarket lodges. But I have to go with what I know. And the high-end camp that I would choose personally is really, really up there is King's Camp. Had a couple of mates of mine that have worked there over the years. They say it's absolutely flawless. They have a, quite a large traversing area. They are renowned for, again, predators and large herds of buffalo that come through. I would probably say just Big Five game viewing as a whole. I know they see the big river pride a lot. Yeah. I see that a lot on their social media and, and people that I follow that work there and so on. The the river pride is, is a very big lion pride and mm. they see them there quite often. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's a property that's got it all. Your, your rooms have, again, a little plunge pool. And... Beautiful rooms from what I've seen. Oh. I haven't been, but I've seen photos. Exactly. It, it, is, it is amazing. The staff unit is great. The guiding is really good from what, I've had guests that have stayed there as well. They say the guiding is phenomenal. And it they are also, again, moving on to negatives, you have to. not The world is not perfect. And there are always negatives no matter where you go. But the negative here would be it is starting to become quite a busy reserve, obviously, with all the other properties starting to come up. So there is a bit of a time gap with, your, with you having to, with you being in sightings. So there's quite a fast turnover of of sightings, so 10, 15 minutes. However, with that being said, I have heard of guides staying there on sightings for hours that other guides aren't interested in. Mm-hmm. So it, it, there's always that possibility. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That's that's very nice. And I think it's something very important from what we've heard as well. This is, you know, just from what we've heard from other people working there and so on, is that they take very well care of their staff as well. Uh, not that the other places that we've spoken about don't, but, you know, just specifically I've heard the specific about them. And I think that's a very cool thing to mention. That's always very important mm. to take very well of your care of your staff yeah. and your guides and so on. They stay for a long time when you do that. Which is always a positive yeah. thing. Yeah. Sorry, we derailing. <laughs> we derailing I think we'll probably talk. Maybe that will be in another episode of you know, sure staff and how, how to take care of lodge staff and so on. Exactly. But uh, a mid-range option in the Timavati then. Milani Bush Camp came to mind. There are quite a few mid-range options, but we didn't say price about. Oh, we sorry, didn't sorry. I'm how much skip, it costs. skipping ahead. So King's Camp will cost you about about eight hundred dollars per person per night sharing, um, which is not too bad for what you get actually at the property itself. Uh, going back to Milani Bush Camp, it is a very rustic option in the Timbavati. 
small camp and nothing fancy i'd rate the rooms about a five six out of ten but tasteful but like really really tasteful they've got a they've got a fairly smaller traversing area so they didn't they don't have a lot of traversing but apparently their sightings are quite good um so it means they've got the right traversing area and it is renowned for being a very family orientated camp they say they a lot of their staff members have been there for many 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 years so where from what i've heard is you you become part of the family as a guest staff member whatever the case may be you start to become part of the family as and i've worked at properties like that and they, it's a really good feeling because you have guests that will they'll end up sending you messages or, or will quickly become a repeat client and because you they feel part of that bush camp family mm. and when we say you know when you rate a room five out of a ten that's not meaning like there's anything wrong with the rooms They're yeah just maybe not as fancy as, as the yeah. 10 out of tens any of the lodges that we bring up we recommend all of them you know we wouldn't yeah. we wouldn't bring them up if we didn't rec recommend them yeah these, I mean? these these all these all these properties i'm talking about are the best possible options yeah in these reserves in my opinion <laughs> and in the, the price bracket so that's exactly. that's all that exactly. we mean when we when we're rating things like that there's a lot of between so like say for instance milani bush camp there's a lot between the 275 dollars that is milani bush camp and the 800 dollars that is king's camp yeah so there's a lot of lodges that fit between that price bracket but these are just more of giving one affordable option and one fancy high upmarket option yeah but there's nothing wrong with any of the properties we're talking about but i think the opposite actually any property that we bring up is a it's a compliment to those properties no, exactly yeah. i mean we, we're talking about them um, yeah. and you know in a good way the, okay moving on to the next reserve this is a reserve that sits very very close to my heart for multiple different reasons I had a lot of good fun at this property and met some amazing people that some that are still in my life today and some that are not, but amazing people all in all. The property is Thorny Bush Game Reserve. It is a beautiful property, smaller than the smallest of the properties that I've spoken about. Their high-end option nowadays, it's quite a new camp. It's called Seseca Tented Camp. It's in an amazing location on the Monwana River. The rooms or the tents, they're not really tents. They call it a tented camp. It's not a tented camp. It's super luxury tents. Yeah, but it's not. Like, the walls are made out of canvas, brick and mortar. No, oh, that's it fine. is. It's brick and mortar, and they've got this little canvas top. No, it's not a tented camp. Yeah, okay. It's, it, it's not. But amazing. Like, the, the property is flawless. Beautiful, private little pool overlooking the Monwana River, which is usually a dry riverbed, but in summer you might get you might get the running water coming down. Traversing fifteen or just under fifteen thousand hectares, renowned for Big Five Safari, and wild dogs do enjoy this property. Mm. I saw a lot of wild dogs when I was on this property. The negatives of this property is that it is quite busy. The lodges are quite big and it the the vegetation hasn't been burnt from a conservation point of view there's a lot of elephant damage so off-roading to get to sightings is incredibly difficult because it's, it's a, yeah it's very very dense there's a lot of a lot of that reserve was old farmland so you can see a lot of bush encroachment coming through bush encroachment i'm derailing again but bush encroachment species are 
are species that are supposed to be in the area but not at the number they are and one specific species on this reserve is red bush willow and the elephants absolutely love it so they push it over but it's quite a hard and sturdy wood so if you are going no if you're going off road and there is a dead one that's been pushed over by an elephant you can't necessarily get past it you can't get over it you generally end up losing the sighting it is a very 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 difficult uh, um, reserve to off-road on and that's personally a negative that i have on the reserve at the same time though the sightings are great so that you can't off-road is sometimes you know that doesn't really matter because you'll still see a lot yeah yeah and you you will be able to off-road at certain places and so on it's just more difficult exactly and the price bracket for this lodge or Saseka tented camp is about plus minus $1,100 per person per night and that's an all-inclusive package that will cover you for everything I want to talk about another property that's not necessarily linked to the Thornybush collection or the Thornybush lodges I don't know what they go by now then is Royal Malawan part of the Royal Portfolio also amazing property very high market even more expensive than Saseka Tented Camp but it, it's kind of, I personally think, unjustifiably expensive. You get you get a nice you get you get a nice room, but again, you've got the same traverse as you would at Saseka. You've got pretty much the same everything. Um, it's just interesting to see which one you would you would choose. They're also I feel I have to talk about them because they are they're also a big name in the industry mm. and a phenomenally upmarket lodge upmarket lodge sorry so it, it they, they're beautiful it is a, a beautiful property but would you say you get a little bit more value for money at Saseka? i feel like you can't tell the difference there's a there's a i think there's about a about a 500 gap between the 500 more expensive when you stay at royal malawan compared to when you stay at Saseka, and i can't see what you get at royal malawan compared to when you stay at Saseka. Mm. sorry again personal opinion just saying but i do know one thing the guides at royal malawan are good and i think they're actually the most qualified guiding team in africa i'm not good don't quote me on that but i think i did see that they are incredibly qualified a lot of really really good guides that work at that property but not that there's not good guides at Thorny- no, 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 but just no. they they pride themselves in the in yes. the high qualifications yes. So if you are like a special, you know, you have a very special, specific interest in something, mm. maybe you will need a guide that can, you know, exactly deep dive, dive into that specific interest or something like that, you know. Or if you've been to Africa a lot of times and you feel like you know a lot already and you want to know even more, then yeah. maybe that would be an option. They've, they've got a lot of specialist guides that work yeah. at Royal Model 1. So generally the guys have been in the industry for many years and they've specialized in one specific field not that that is focused on more than anything else but they if you if you are a botanist mm. uh, you know you could we could set that up and send you there and say hey listen i want this specific guide because i know he's a botanist so but going back to Saseka, i'm not saying the guiding is bad at Saseka. remember no, it's these, phenomenal. exactly the, the lodges we've chosen here are all lodges we rate quite highly we're not criticizing anyone here no mid-range option probably one of the best mid-range options on this list absolutely for value for money 
is Tangala Safari Camp. I rate this property very highly. It's a wonderful camp. It's a wonderful camp. The tents, so from my point of view, I only, I only sell the tents. They do have chalets, but I don't sell the chalets because I, I was I needed a, a budget. I need a mid-range tented camp in in Thorny Bush uh, from a rating point of view. And I think Tangala is amazing. It's set overlooking this massive field with the Drakensberg Mountains in the background. The sun sets there. If you're sitting on your porch and not on game drive, it's just just a beautiful setting. And on this big open clearing that you overlook, is a little water hole. Fantastic uh, opportunities for photography just from the camp. Exactly. It, it, it is amazing. And they traverse just as much as Thorny Bush as the, the more expensive properties do. Uh, so if you're a person that doesn't necessarily care too much about um, your what botanical you're going to get in your gin and tonic and are happy to settle for lemons and um, still are really just focused on game viewing and rather more money conscious go for to Tangala Safari Camp. It is amazing. They can traverse most of the Thorny Bush Game Reserve. I think there's one property that they can't. But yeah, that is probably a slight negative because there is sometimes there can be stuff on that specific property that they can't that they can't get to. But it's really it's about five percent of the of the reserve and the traversing area, five to ten percent. So another negative from Tangala, they will put ten people on a vehicle if they can. But again, you get what you paid for. Mm. It's you're looking at a price range for these guys are at about two hundred and twenty dollars per person per night, which is two hundred twenty, two hundred fifty around there. Um, so yeah, especially with the way the fuel prices are going at the moment, <laughs> you know, it's I, understandable. I think a good thing to mention as well the difference between the these camps and these prices are also food and food uh, yes. quality yes. of like you know at the higher price range lodges you will have more what we call it fancier food mm. like gourmet food and the chefs are generally specialists at these yeah. higher end camps yeah and you will you know at the other properties you might get more of like you maybe don't get a three course meal and all those kind of things so it's just different but it all depends on the property but as again well. guys the food is still good yeah we have to justify it we, like it's still really really good there's nothing wrong again this podcast this episode is not uh, we're not criticizing anyone on what is better and what is what we're just going on different price brackets. Which I think it's just if you are a foodie and like yes. food is a big passion of yours, yes. then maybe go for the higher price bracket lodges. But you know that's all the kind of stuff that we would help you with if if you were to book book through us. Yeah, and if you contacted us. Moving on to our final reserve there are other reserves part of the greater Kruger guys but we just cannot cover them if you have if you're wanting more information and maybe wanting an episode two maybe. of crew of greater Kruger products or reserve uh, properties or other parts of South Africa give us a shout and say hey Craig Carolina we really love that podcast we want to know more about other properties and we can talk about it because we have extensive knowledge on the reserves in the country itself I mean Kalahari was amazing, wasn't it? I would love to have yeah, an episode yeah, of Kalahari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but moving back to the final reserve we're going to be talking about today is the Kasiri Private Nature Reserve. This was a tough, tough, tough decision for an upmarket product. Kasiri Private Nature Reserve is a very, very new commercial property. It is 68,000 hectares. It's massive. Also, all of the properties I've spoken to have been 
open to Kruger, no fence. Kasiri Private Nature Reserve is the 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 lodges are, are so far away from each other uh, that you very rarely have vehicle traffic. And uh, five star safari wasn't really a thing in Kasiri 10, 15 years ago, but now it slowly but surely has become a commercial giant almost. It's it's slowly becoming a commercial giant of the industry and rightfully so it's an amazing reserve the tie-end properties of Glaseri so so difficult so so tight um, it has to be between Glaseri Drift Masava um, Masava amazing location on a on, on a little hill or a crest overlooking the Glaseri River beautiful and then the other the other property that I'm struggling to pick between is the last word Katara also based on the banks on the Kasiri River and they're, they're both similar sizes, both similar styles. Uh, so it's really, really difficult to, to pick one. Where I feel the last word Katara does lose points is the traversing area. Kasiri Drift has a bigger traversing area from a game viewing point of view. They've got almost double the traversing area than last word Katara. They've got about 16,000 hectares plus minus and the last word Katara has about 7,000 hectares which is not bad. 7,000 hectares is still good traversing. It's still really really good traversing. So they don't really struggle with sightings even with the 7,000 hectares of traverse. They still have very good lion, leopard, elephant, buffalo sightings. Again I don't talk about rhino sightings but they do have good sightings in general but so do Klaseri Drift, they just have a little bit more driving space and driving area. With both of the properties, they are both five-star, or along five-star. I don't think last word, Katara, is star-rated, no. but it is definitely, again, these are all personal opinions, that is a five-star property, hands down, five-star. They go by a boutique lodge. Yeah, boutique lodge, mm. but it is... It, it's a five-star property. Say, so, but Klaseri Drift Masava is star-rated. Um, I would rate the rooms at Klaseri Drift Masava and Last Word Katara both about an eight out of ten. Um, they are they're good. They're a decent size. They're they're nice rooms. Uh, the reserve is renowned for its exclusivity, mm. and this is where the Last Word Katara actually overpowers. Kasiri Drift is the last word Katara has traverse that they literally can only go on, mm. that they can only drive. You don't share it with, you don't share it with anyone else. And that's where I think is unique. You find a leopard in a tree with an impala kill, you go, right, we'll sit here for as long as we want. You tell me when you want to go have breakfast, we will sit here for as long as you want. That's amazing. Where Kasiri Drift, there are a couple of other properties. The, the, the time frame where you can sit with the animals is a lot longer. Or you could always just leave and come back. That's always an option on in the Klaseri as well. So it is, uh, they, they're both kind of that, as you can see from the way I'm talking, they're, they're both neck and neck in different areas. Again, but, it's just up to who, what you're looking for. Exactly. So the price difference is also quite drastic. Katara is more expensive. You're looking at about eight, seven to $800 per person per night sharing. And the price at Klaseri Drift Masava is $500 to $550 per person per night sharing. And that's 
yeah, that 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 would be on an all inclusive rate for both, and yeah, they are both great properties. Wouldn't you agree? Mm, absolutely, highly recommend both. But as you mm. say, it's just it's so difficult. It and it just depends on what what the client is looking for. Exactly, exactly. I think Kitara is definitely the kind of place you want to go to if you are a experienced safari goer and you want to you know you want to spend a lot of yeah. time with animals and just sit and watch one animal and you but know. also run the risk of not um so if you want to go if you want to if you want to have the thrill mm. of the chase because mm. you at that property you have to work mm. for your animal sightings mm. um you have to track down the animal and then you get rewarded yeah. you can't just pick up your radio and say oh where's this where's that yeah and so there's a beauty in that there is a beauty in that but it's usually targeted at more um, experience safari goes Absolutely. like you said Absolutely. but moving on to our mid-range option I would have to go with Klesiri Camps and Zumba affordable good value for money and, such a, and a, such a beautiful camp and an amazing team yeah an amazing 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 team they are overlooked this little waterhole mm. which in winter draws so, so much yeah it's actually quite big <laughs> um, but in in winter it's quite an active waterhole a lot of animals are drawn to that waterhole itself so yeah uh, an amazing property in that regard the rooms eight out of ten definitely mm. um they are spacious big um well, spacious is big isn't it? <laughs> Same <twice>. thing. <laughs> nice patio that is facing the waterhole itself a beautiful bar area bar is important absolutely bar is important and i think definitely very good value for money yeah you like yeah. you paying the four star price but getting the five star treatment almost. Mm. Also, uh, approximately between six and a half and seven thousand hectares of traverse, which is good, and also very, very, very exclusive. Uh, very similar to Katara. A couple of years ago, they used to be sister camps, and I think they would still still be classified as sister camps. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's more of a mid range option, and they have very similar traversing areas and the game viewing is quite good in that area but again exclusivity is what is amazing about that property itself absolutely and very private and personal yeah 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 that's going back to the staff members they are just mm. they, they they make they take care of your absolute every need absolutely and the price of classier camps in zumba is very affordable it's about 320 again plus minus figure uh, per person per night so $320 per person per night plus or minus so yeah it is it's it, it's good value for money again yeah really not bad for, yeah. for what you get yeah yeah and I think that is all for this episode we have gone through a lot of information and if you guys like yeah, I hope you've had a pen and paper if you are really keen for to to like remember all of this because it's a lot of information at once. So, so yeah, I hope you've written it down if you guys are looking into these different properties. Yeah, absolutely. Like I've said, guys, if you are interested in us doing an episode two on this, we're very happy to do. It. We could not cover all the all the all the lodges and all the the reserves that are part of the Greater Kruger National Park. But if you did enjoy this episode, just pop us a message on Instagram or write a review or on on Spotify or Apple Casts. What do you call it? Apple Play. I don't know. <laughs> Apple you... Casts. Sorry. <laughs> Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. So as you guys can can 
here I'm definitely the one who is the admin behind this podcast. Yes, I I edit definitely. all the episodes and I what do you call them publish them on all the platforms and all that crazy. I'm just, no I'm idea just here for on. my my voice. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I think we've definitely, we're going to do similar episodes on, as Craig mentioned, maybe reserves in South Africa because there is a lot of very cool reserves that have a lot of different things to offer. And we will, we can do more episodes on these kind of topics. And yeah, so let us know if you guys enjoyed this. We're definitely keen to do more of these kind of episodes. But until then, I hope you all have an amazing a week or mm-hmm. two weeks until yeah. we hear from you or hear from you hear from us you hear from us <laughs> we hear from you uh, next time but yeah take care and i hope you guys are enjoying what we're doing cheers guys have a good one